Welcome to SWC Podcast, where we talk about Christianity and culture. Today, we have a very special episode reflecting on the life and ministry of Dr. Doug Harris, who was a truly influential Christian leader in British Columbia and beyond. He was especially dear to us at SDBC, so we wanted to honor Doug and his family in this episode. Today, you'll hear from myself, Mary Gerson, Jason Oldham, Pastor Jordan Scott, Pastor Rick Burdett, Pastor Paul Johnson, and Pastor Jeremy Johnson, as we all reflect on Doug's influence on our lives. We hope you enjoy this episode. Hey, thanks for joining us for another episode of SDBC Podcast. And for today, we have a very, very special episode. Um, many of our church family, we've been grieving the loss of Dr. Doug Harris, a dear friend, mentor, a teacher, a pastor, a uh, uh, worship director, worship leader for many of us. He's influenced us on staff here at South Delta Baptist, but also um, everyone in our church. We, we've been deeply influenced by Doug. So. Because of COVID, um, we weren't able to do a funeral service for him at this moment. The family and I are trying to, to, trying to kind of figure out how we can do that after COVID subsides. But for now, our team here at staff, we thought we could do something meaningful by sharing this podcast episode, reflecting on the life of Doug Harris and remembering him fondly. Hopefully the family will be listening in and our church family will be listening in and we hope to honor them as we do this today. Um, today we have joining us, um, Mary Grierson, and we have Jason Oldham, our worship director, and we have Pastor Rick Burdett is back with us for this episode. Um, of course, our, our, our good friend Rick works at Outreach Canada now as their chief operating officer, um, but he was the executive pastor here for many years when Doug was also working with us. So we're happy to have uh, Rick joining us. And, on Zoom, because it is COVID style, we have our executive pastor currently at our church, Pastor Jordan Scott, joining us over Zoom. Jordan, do you want to say hi? Hello, STBC and everyone else. All right, thank you. Well, so today we have a little team here that's going to share some fun memories about Doug. And we all had different interactions, but um, does anyone want to start us off by sharing a, a really fun memory that you had with Dr. Doug Harris? Um, I'm not sure that this is a, uh, necessarily a fun memory, but it is a precious memory uh, for me. Uh, when, uh, when Paul Johnson uh, resigned and left um, to go to Minnesota, I uh, became the interim lead pastor of the church. Uh, Doug, uh, Doug was always supportive of that uh, right off the get-go. But uh, early on in the course of my tenure as the, as the interim guy, uh, in talking with our staff and in talking with our elders, uh, made a decision that we needed to uh, uh, join together in one worship service as opposed to having two worship services mm -hmm. going on in the church. Uh, there was lots of reasons for making that decision. I'm not going to go into that right now. But it's a decision that impacted Doug in a very significant way. Uh, and I remember Doug, uh, I remember going over and sitting with Doug uh, at his house and just sharing with him uh, my thoughts at that point because nothing was fully decided, but I wanted to break uh, the news of what we were thinking and what we were exploring. Uh, and Doug uh, listened. Uh, he asked uh, a number of questions 
that uh, were, were the right questions in my mind. They were good questions. Uh, he wasn't trying to probe. He wasn't trying to discourage, but he was just trying to get clarity. Uh, I do remember that uh, uh, he sort of smiled and said, uh, he says, Pastor, do you know that uh, there are going to be some people who won't like you uh, for making that decision? Um, and I said, are you one of them? And, and he said, well, he says, that remains to be seen. And we laughed. And, uh, and uh, so it was, it, was, it was over a course of a couple of different conversations. But that was the first conversation where we sort of just sort of broke the ice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I, that was definitely a significant part of our church history, and Doug was a big part of it. Um, I remember you and Paul Johnson often saying, we couldn't pull this off if it wasn't Doug. We're only able to do this because it's Doug. Yeah, it was, Doug was the right guy, and it was the right moment in time to mm-hmm. be able to do this service. It was a wise decision on Paul's, on Paul's part to, to pull the trigger on it. Uh, we had a real appetite for it. Uh, but after, uh, after a period of time, we began to saw that a little bit more division in the church than we wanted. Mm-hmm. And uh, what I didn't want to do was to bring in, because I was not going to be the next lead pastor, uh, I didn't want to bring in a new lead pastor. And Paul, that became you. But mm-hmm. this preceded that, mm-hmm. you throwing your hat in the ring. Um, we, we didn't want to bring someone in to have to deal with what we thought, what, what some people were describing as two separate congregations. Mm-hmm. We just thought it really wise to, to make a move to pull everybody together. Uh, Doug ultimately was, was supportive of it. Yeah. Uh, I, I will, uh, when, when, I, when I finally told him, and it was, it was here at church, it was after one of our staff meetings, that this is what we were going to do. Uh, he said, Rick, he says, you know that I love you. He says, you know that I support you. He said, uh, he says, God has a plan for me, and I'm not going to worry about this. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're just going to try to make this one service the best that we can. Yeah. And uh, he followed that up, uh, Paul, with uh, uh, about, t- I think it was two or three days later, he called and invited Chris and I to go over to a, a restaurant, local restaurant, and have dinner with he and Mary. And uh, so we said yes. And I, there, there was a moment in which I thought, okay, what's, what's going to happen at this, at this meal? But then I thought, I know Doug's character. I know who mm-hmm. he is. I know the man. Mm-hmm. I don't need, there's nothing here to fear. Uh, and what he did is he spent that probably almost, almost two hours with Chris and I just really pumping us up. And, and they prayed for us in the, at the table. Uh, they spent time encouraging us. Mm-hmm. Uh, 100% support, not one word about a regret or, or doing something different or a why question. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was all about how can we help make this happen? How can we help bring this about? Mm-hmm. Uh, which just speaks volumes to who Doug was. And yeah. uh, he was a friend. Um, uh, but I'll never, forget, I'll never forget that godly attribute that he had of, of encouragement, wisdom, uh, confidence in God mm-hmm. to pull this off yeah. uh, because that's where his confidence was. It was always in God. It wasn't in me. It wasn't in the people of church or even himself. It was all about what is God going to do? Yeah. Yeah. He, he definitely was a gracious man. He always responded very consistent, always gracious. Right. Yeah. 
Jason, do you, I know you started working with us on staff not too long ago, obviously mm -hmm. after Dr. Doug Harris had retired, um, but you have memories even before joining us on our team with Doug, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, uh, quite funny. Um, Doug was the president of Northwest Baptist College um, back in the 80s and early 90s. And uh, I started going there, I would say in the late 80s, like right around the turn, 1990, something like that was my first year. And I came from Ontario, was this sort of punk 19-year-old kid uh, wanting to learn more about Jesus, but also wanting to kind of find out my identity. Um, I, I pushed the limits a little bit. I, I wasn't a major curfew breaker, but I, I like <laughs> to have fun. And I just remember Doug um, as this um, stoic, like you said, Paul, uh, gracious, but but he, he knew what he wanted for the college. He knew he yeah. wanted to see this um, this the mission of the college of raising up next generation of leaders um, yeah. to be successful. And he was, uh, I, I very quickly uh, got an appreciation for um, our president um, at the, you know, the school and, and uh, you know, had to visit him a few times in his office, not for <laughs> stuff that was major, but um, we had a few heart to hearts uh, along the way. Um, and I can just remember, like he, like he said, he's super gracious, always with a smile, a little twinkle in his eye, kind of just steering me in the right direction. And I remember, uh, you know, finishing up my degree and, and, uh, I think it was, uh, at my first church that I pastored in Ladner, he was there for something early on. He was, um, there for a celebration of something. And he pulled me aside in the, in the, in the, um, entryway. And I just remember these words, and I'm sure other people have heard these words from him, but uh, it was just simple, two words, stay humble. Um, and uh, you, you know, you have those people in those times in your faith journey where for whatever reason, you will know you will remember those interactions for the rest of your life. And, and I don't know if he saw like a, an arrogance in me or if he saw a cockiness. I, I, I don't know. I don't know if that's where it came from or if he just was as a leader, helping other people become a better leader was just speaking these words, stay humble. And, uh, and so from that point in my pastoral journey, I would say I have had a constant pursuit of what it means to be humble, what it means to, to serve Jesus with a heart of humility. And you I mean, you talk about of anyone, he's a hero, uh, like as far as in our denomination, the fellowship, being a pastor, mm -hmm. being a president, being a worship, um, pastor here at, at SDBC, um, you think of, of the legacy he has left in ministry and, and to some degree, uh, the amount of eyes that have looked up to him, um, he exuded that same humility, uh, came across as just somebody who, who you just knew, um, more than anything had a passion for Jesus and for worshiping him. And, uh, I remember, um, I won't speak too long for this, but my, my love for, um, my love for Jesus and specifically in the area of, of music, a lot had to do with, with the way Doug led our college in that, uh, mm -hmm. whether it be choirs that we went on to kind of promote the college and, and Doug was leading those choirs and, and getting people kind of rallied. Um, it was just so focused on a passion for, for Christ, a passion for Jesus. And, 
And that has definitely rubbed off on me and yeah. my really my whole life traje- trajectory. I had no clue in 1990 that somehow I would pick up a guitar and start to find ways to love God with it. Like I honestly mm-hmm. didn't know um, until halfway through that semester. I, I even had a gift of any sort in that area. Um, but it was people like Doug who, who fueled that from afar, what I saw in him. And really has led to me um, pursuing that kind of that kind of role or part of my pastoral um, calling in that. So pretty amazing, amazing guy. It's it's interesting, Jason. He said, "Stay humble," which well, means he saw humility in you. Because Doug would not, he wouldn't thrust that on you. He saw something in you. Yep. That he yep. wanted to capitalize on. And yep. that would be Doug, right? He yep. would take yeah. that that even if that little nugget of, of possibility and he would extrapolate it and expand it in your life. Yeah. I think and, it's great. Oh, yeah. absolutely. And I think I also saw him as like, you know, he's he's you know, he's like the big chief of the college. And and I had just graduated <laughs> and kind of moved on. And he had I would view at that point in time, his words would mean a lot anyways, but the fact that he spoke about humility. Um, I think it was really perfect because that is just one attribute that he held yeah. so well. Yeah. Like so well. He was a humble man. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. It's funny because he, so we, we sometimes remember him as being gracious, the agape principle. Of course, we can't do a podcast episode about Doug without the agape principle. <laughs> but he, he was nice, gracious, gentle, loving. And at the same time, he was a good leader. Right, he got things done. Think about what he's achieved at Outreach Canada or, or African Inland Missions or at our church or many other churches like Faith Baptist and others. And how about the work at the seminary, right? And the college. Like he was he was an instrumental part of um putting Acts together. Acts seminary as we know it today, um, yeah. was basically a, a product of um, not just Doug, I get there were other contributors as well, but Doug was a big part of that too. So he's definitely got an impressive legacy, at least um, from our vantage point. But then you look at it, it, the the impact, not just the work that he's achieved, right? But the impact on people that he's had, like you, um, who knew 30 years later, you'll be working for our church staff and that humility, that constant reminder to stay humble would, would benefit our church family now. Um, and also like, uh, I always said that Larry Perkins, Dr. Larry Perkins, who used to also be the president of Northwest, and he's still now um, teaching there, he, he's been a huge mentor to me. And uh, long after I've known Larry, like 20 years after I've gotten to know Larry and, and he became my mentor and a good friend, I found out Larry just came into office. Yeah, I remember those days when Doug baptized me. I was like, what? Doug Harris baptized you? He's like, yeah, yeah. I was a youngster and Doug was the one who baptized me. He was my pastor. And just like, how many more of these stories are there out there? How many people has he touched during the many years of his prolific ministry so that those people are now influencing others and mentoring others? And that legacy of humility, the agape principle, the meekness, the leadership, all of that is living on. And I think that's some of the coolest things we see. Um, Mary, I know you had, a, I guess, a shorter stint with uh, Doug, but um, what kind of memories do you have with him? Um, well, just to start, I remember every time I saw him, he would always tell me that I'm very special because I have a very special name. Because, of course, I share the name of his married dear, so he would always tell me that. Um, but on a more serious note, the biggest memory that I have with um, 
with Dr. Doug is I just started working here and I was leading the modern worship and at the same time he was leading the traditional worship and I wanted to plan a worship team appreciation event and of course I wanted to do this for the whole worship team meaning both traditional and modern so a meeting with Doug was in order and I at this time hadn't had a personal relationship with him yet so I didn't really know what to expect but I knew he was one of the if not the most respected people at this church (laughs) at the time so I was nervous and getting ready for this meeting I was writing all these things down I had all these ideas but I wanted to make sure that they were you know supported in scripture and supported with like genius ideas so that I could like (laughs) present this to this guy because I knew that he knew everything about music and almost everything there is to know about um leading worship but I remember sitting down in the room with him telling him all these ideas and he just looked at me and he nodded and he said whatever you want dear it's going to be awesome whatever you want dear whatever you want dear man (laughs) i can hear his voice now yeah oh yeah (laughs) is this a good idea whatever you want dear it's gonna be great um and yeah just his humility and his desire to help me as a young leader um develop my ideas and really support me in that and then on a lighter note, um, when we actually got to the time of the event, I remember um, I had set some things up and I had put some stuff on the tables all around and then me and Doug got up to welcome everyone and in front of this whole room of like 60 people, he teased me because <laughs> me and Phil had just started dating at that time. <laughs> and so Doug stands up in front of this whole room of people and he goes, looks like someone's preparing for their wedding. <laughs> <laughs> and I just remember being like, who is this guy? He's both the wisest person I had ever met and also just super willing to tease me in front of a whole room of people and I just really appreciated all those facets of knowing Doug yeah Doug was fun I I loved um, when he led worship when he preached um, when he just talked to you in the in the staff room he was he was fun he was was so godly and fun and I think he had this sense of great joy about him Um, always will miss that Jordan do you have any some 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 of the cool memories that you have with Doug uh, yeah, no, for sure. You know, I, I had the opportunity to engage with Doug uh, in a number of different contexts over the years. But, um, you know, one of the things that uh, I've shared a number of times over the, the past few months when thinking about Doug and his impact on me, it's a little bit funny, more so funny from my perspective is um, uh, I was a young intern and it was in the summertime and uh it was one of our VBS wind up Sundays. Mm. So it's kind of a bigger Sunday, you know, it's very different. And, uh, you know, as a, as a young youth intern, uh, I had strong resolve to be used by God to do whatever is necessary to further the kingdom. And so maybe I was dressed up like a pirate, you know, (laughs) in full costume, um, getting into the theme. So obviously on a VBS Sunday, there's like tons of stuff going on. And, uh, I just remember, after the Sunday, as people were kind of heading out, things were winding down. Uh, Doug was in uh, the foyer and he kind of stopped me. And uh, he just kind of asked, you know, instead of asking, you know, how my internship was going or how VBS was, um, it's almost like this kind of surreal moment where things kind of slowed down and there's this calmness. He just kind of asked me how my relationship with God was going and if it was mm-hmm. growing through my internship. Wow. Um, and I, I just remember that so vividly, uh, Mm. you know, and he ended the conversation exhorting me to always keep my relationship with God at the center of ministry. And, um, you know, that conversation, I imagine from his perspective, probably just seemed normal. 
All right. That's because that's just the kind of man that he was. Um, and yet for me, it was so deeply impactful, um, especially in that moment, because really that just kind of became a bigger illustration of ministry. You know, I learned from Doug the importance of balancing time with God as you really pour yourself out to those in your ministry. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I, something that I learned from Doug and, uh, and also it's just hilarious because he really was engaging me on a deep level, but I was fully dressed as a pirate. <laughs> uh, I love it. I love it. it. Yeah. Doug just like, I just wonder how many people have these stories where he, he made such a deep impact with just being who he is, not trying to conjure up some like, like great lecture or anything like that, but just the way he carried himself and the way he treated his wife. Uh, I, I posted something about honoring Doug and missing him on my Facebook page and tons of people share their uh, messages on my comments. And uh, quite a few people said they loved seeing him and Mary together. Mm-hmm. Um, his dear Mary, right? Mary dear. Like they kind of exemplified what a biblical marriage should look like. And, and just by being who he is and who they were, um, they've impacted so many people. And I think that's fantastic. I, I know one person who was impacted by Doug um, was Linda Nemeth on our staff. She couldn't be here to record this with us today, but she wanted to leave a note just um, sharing her appreciation for Doug. And, and I'm just going to read what she wrote for me here. But Linda worked with Doug very closely because she was um, assisting him in his role um, with all putting the binders together and all that stuff. And this is what Linda said. Uh, Doug was someone I totally looked up to. He displayed his love for God in so many ways. It was a joy for me to work alongside him during the traditional services. Doug was a man of integrity. He put others' needs before his own, and you could count on Doug for anything. And Doug was not the type of person to say something he didn't mean. He was a man who was very kind to everyone he met, and Doug manifested humility. Doug was an honest man who showed respect to anyone he spoke to, And Doug consistently spoke very highly of his beloved Mary. She was the delight in his life, and his words and actions showed it. Doug will be missed by many, but we can all learn something from the kind of life he constantly lived. Doug fought the good fight, finished the race, and kept the faith. Thank you, Doug. So I I know Linda loves Doug and Mary, so thank you, Linda, for sending this in. Um, but we also have a couple other people who wanted to send a little quick message in as well. And uh, for our listeners from South Delta Baptist Church, I'm sure this will be uh, a familiar voice for us. But our previous lead pastor, Pastor Paul Johnson, who worked, like Rick said earlier, who worked closely with Doug as well, um, he sent a message from Minnesota. So I'm just going to share that with you now. Hi, this is Paul Johnson. I'm the former lead pastor there at South Delta Baptist Church. I'm the old pastor, Paul. And when the young Pastor Paul asked me to say a few words about Doug Harris, I was honored to do so. Because very few men have made an impact on my life like Doug. When I first arrived in Vancouver, we would often meet for lunch at White Spot. And I remember that Doug ordered the same thing every time. It was the burger, no bun, and particular condiments, and it would drive the waitresses crazy because I don't think in all of that time they ever got it right. But of course, Doug never complained. And what I remember about those lunches is his mantra. He would say, Paul, it's about process, process, and process. 
And he was right. Because as churches make major decisions, it's so important to do it together. And we made some important choices and moved in some difficult directions at South Delta, but we processed it together. And Doug was a big reason for that. But the thing I'll remember most about Doug Harris is his life of integrity, his kindness, how he treated others, how he didn't say negative things about anyone, and how much he loved Christ. He just loved him so very much. And I learned by just watching him. And so, God, thank you for sending Doug Harris into my life. I'll never forget him, and I've learned so much from him. And I'm so glad that Doug right now is no doubt singing the hallelujah chorus in heaven, because after all, he would always say, this would be what we'll be singing in heaven. And so thank you, God, and thank you, Doug. Yeah, uh, thank you, Paul, for sending that in. I, I know Paul had a special relationship with Doug as well, and mm -hmm. Um, like I said earlier, and like Rick mentioned earlier, I, I don't think we could have had the years that we had um, if it was a different person. I think Doug made it work. His integrity, like, I love how consistent our comments are. Like, <laughs> everyone's mentioning his integrity, his humility, yeah. his love for Mary. And it, he was just such a consistent person wherever he went, whether he, if he was talking to an intern, if he was talking to the president of seminaries, or if he was talking to his dear Mary or his children or a stranger, he never changed the way he lived. It was always the same. One of the things for uh, that, that, just to hitchhike on what uh, Paul Johnson said, Doug never forced himself into a into an opinion or a discussion. Mm -hmm. uh, you had to request it of him, mm -hmm. uh, and he he had the wisdom. He had the right uh, to be able to speak into virtually any subject that we had. But he didn't do that. He, mm. he, he waited to be asked. Mm. Uh, part of his process uh, was to just allow God to bring in the players that needed to address a, a topic. Mm -hmm. um, and I know that for both Paul and myself, uh, working with Doug to set up the, the, the first program required a lot of process, as, mm -hmm. as Paul referred to. Uh, but it, 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 at, at times, uh, pulling... Pulling Doug, uh, trying to get him to commit to, to, to saying this is what it should be, this is what mm -hmm. we want it to be. His humility would often keep him from, from being too expressive with mm -hmm. those things. Uh, we finally got it right, and I think we did it right for probably five or six years. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I miss um, some of those days with you, Paul, and Doug. Like, yeah, there was a lot of wisdom there on our staff, and I appreciate the legacy that you guys have left and. I think it's such a great, great memory for all of us, whether we were on staff or church. I think we saw that harmony that you, Paul, and, and others are talking about. Um, I think we really experienced it and felt it. So totally appreciate those days. We do have someone else from those days um, who sent in a video as well. Um, he used to be the worship um, pastor at our church, Jeremy Johnson. Um, of course, he works for Village Church now, but um, he wanted to send a message in as well because he worked closely because he and Doug were both leading worship and Jeremy was a young and up-and-coming kind of a staff member, whereas Doug was the wise, um, been there, done that person. And yet, 
Doug has been so supportive of Jeremy. I remember seeing that and being so impressed as a staff member, mm. just seeing how much Doug loved Jared and, and just supported him. And I think, Rick, you wrote this in an article honoring Doug um, at Outreach Canada. I think I wrote, I read something with you and Craig, um, but Doug would often say that he, he's happy to be your cheerleader. Oh yeah. Isn't that amazing? I, I thought that was only because Rick is, well, Rick is pretty experienced. He's pretty, he's got the support of the church, but he would say that even to me and even to Jeremy and the, well, the young Well, he was guys. your cheerleader. I yeah. Mean, he, he was. So Paul, I know that about you. Yeah. He was, he was one of your strongest cheerleaders. Yeah. Mary, the same with you. Yeah. I, he just, he loved you and uh, he wanted to just, he wanted you to succeed. Yeah. That's so unfathomable. A doctor, a, 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 a most beloved and most respected person in our Christian sphere in this area. And yet he's like, I'm happy to be your cheerleader. I want to cheer for you. I want to encourage you. And, and that's what he did for Jeremy. So here's a message from Jeremy Johnson um, of appreciation for Doug. So when I think about Doug, a few things come to mind, lots of things actually, but probably the biggest thing, the biggest influence he had on my life uh, was when we were both worship leading at South Delta Baptist Church together. And uh, I learned a ton from Doug. There's a saying that um, a recently passed uh, theologian, J.I. Packer, used to say all the time, which was, theology is for doxology. And essentially what he means is the, the reason that we learn things about God, the reason that God reveals things to us, is so that we then respond to him. And this was, I think, something that Doug took to heart, um, maybe more than anyone I've ever met. He understood that as a worship leader, his job, our jobs, uh, were not just to sing songs, not just to lead music, but to connect what it is that we're singing to some greater thing. To not just take a song because it sounds good or it has some nice words in it and sing it together. And instead, the, what Doug showed me was there's something we are supposed to do to connect the words, the emotion, the history, the background of, of these songs into a larger narrative that points towards the great things of God. Because then as worshipers, we can respond properly. And we can actually see God in ways that we didn't see him before we thought about or we contemplated these sorts of things. And, and that's actually, to me, something really profound that I learned in working, from, uh, working with Doug uh, that, that changed a lot of my life and how I do not only now you know, worship leading, but now in my life, how I do ministry, how I even teach theology and, do, and, and lead teams. It's that there's some greater narrative behind all of this and that all these other little things in life that we have, even that we have in, in the Christian world, like hymns or songs or, or whatever these things are, ministries, or like, these things all exist as tools. These are simply tools we have at our disposal to do a job. And that job is to point people to the greatness of God, the greatness of God seen in Christ and the cross. And so I feel like I am forever indebted to Doug because in working with him, he showed me that. I've, I've never met anyone, I don't think, that is so uh, captivated by narrative and imagination as Doug was. Uh, and that's something that really inspired me, that he, he could imagine 
uh, things that I couldn't imagine. You know, he could he could he could visualize in his head um, a church community in in complete reverence to God, worshiping Him because of things that they understand about Him, uh, and give Him glory for that. He could he could visualize these things. And, and then because of that, he was drawn to want to see these things happen. Um, he could visualize, you know, the, the history of the church gathered together to, to enjoy and perform and sing the Messiah to God in the throne room of heaven. And uh, I just, I loved how he dreamed and, he, and he, his, his imagination was unlocked by the glory of God, and that speaks to a couple of things. One, that he was close enough to God to be able to have those dreams, which is something I would aspire to in my own life. Man, if I could live to be a person who dreamed the things that Doug dreamed about God, that would be something. Uh, but also, what really hits me thinking about this for Doug right now is that he's living this dream. He's actually living that dream right now of everything he imagined and more he's experiencing. And that gives me and I hope everybody else um, that watches this or that's come into contact with Doug the same kind of hope in their life. I know he has given me hope. He's given so many other people hope just through his witness, through his, his life and his leading. And so we miss him, obviously. Uh, but what feels to us like a loss is obviously... Um, obviously heaven's gain. And I'm excited in the sense for Doug because all of those dreams that he's dreamed for so long, uh, he's actually experiencing right now. So God bless and Doug, we miss you. Yeah, thank you, Jer. Yeah, that well said. Yeah, how can you talk about Doug and his ministry without the doxology, right? Um, I think, yeah, the words maybe agape and doxology kind of wrap up his attitude towards life. He, he was worshipful and always living with the presence of God. And at the same time, the agape, right? The love. Um, he was always willing to serve others and asking, how can I serve you? How can I love you today? Um, and and it's, what's so impress, impressive about Doug's life is that it is indeed, like I said earlier, so consistent. Um, I, I have a fun memory with Doug as well. I, I had a few, but... One of, the, one of the more recent ones was when um, Mary passed away last year. And um, I was actually in Abbotsford and I was driving back, rushing back to try to see if I can get there before she had passed. But by the time I got there, apparently she passed 15 minutes ago at Elam Village. And, and I was there and I remember Doug being genuinely um, giving thanks to God for where Mary is. But at the very same time, of course, um, tearful and missing his Mary dear already. Um, and as I was preparing... Um, for the service that we were going to have and all those things. Um, I just wanted to serve this family. I just wanted to do, do something that he's done for so many people, just to serve him, just to love him. So I said, I can do anything, Doug, anything. I can arrange things at the church building if you need, like anything. Let, let's just, um, let us help you. Let us serve you. So he wanted me to come to the graveside service with his family um, for Mary. So it was an interment service. He had everything programmed, just like any other worship service that he led for us. He had the song selected. He had it, the speakers ready. And, and I wasn't going to participate in anything. So I just went as a friend. And I thought that was super honoring because, you know, those moments are, you know, Rick, you've done many of these in, uh, graveside services, but it's usually with a very small group of 
family, right? So I think I was like maybe the only non-family member there and I felt like, okay, I'm, I'm gonna be here. And I just stood to the back and wanted to kind of let the family take this moment in. And I stood at the back by myself and the, because I was in a black suit and a white shirt and a black tie, the funeral service people thought I worked uh, for them. I thought I was, they thought I was on staff. So they asked me to pass out the lyric sheets and stuff, so I did. Um, they kept putting me to work and I did. I, I, I said, I'm just here to serve. Um, but then as I'm in the background, Doug is sitting down. Just imagine this. He's sitting down on a chair at a graveside because his kids thought, you know, they should bring a chair for him. Everyone else is standing. I, th I think it was a little bit chilly um, outside. And then he had his cane. So he was leaning against his cane, seated in a chair. Everyone surrounding him and the coffin there, the graveside there. And he's leading in song. He's leading. And then out of nowhere, he breaks out into one of those moments where he's being led by the Spirit. And he goes... Where is my pastor? Was he able to make it today? And then the children look around and they try to look for me. So I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm here. And he's like, Pastor Paul, do you have a message for our family to lift our hearts up? So I was like, oh, okay, well. Um, but thankfully, I have done a service very recently on John chapter 14. So I just whipped that out. Um, it, was, it was actually one of my favorite verses. And I, I think it served the family. I hope it served the family. But it was, it was where Jesus says, uh, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. And not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. And I remember sharing this message and having the honor of doing that for his family it was just such a privilege because he's done so much ministry. He's served so many people. And in that moment for me to be able to serve him in this very small way, even though I wasn't prepared and I didn't know this was coming, um, just for him to show that kind of respect to a rookie pastor that has, you know, no experience compared to what he has and to respect me in that moment, but also give me that privilege, I, I just felt that was so honoring. And I, I just, I'll never forget how, how he so honored all the young people in our staff and in our church. Uh, never made us feel like we were not important. Never made us feel like, you know, we have to wait our turn. Uh, uh, always the first one to encourage us. And like you said, Rick, a, a genuine cheerleader. And I, I almost feel like I can't use that word because it seems so disrespectful for a man like Doug. And yet he chose those words himself. Um, he was, he was, he was going to delight in the fact that he can cheer on his younger colleagues. And, and what, what an amazing man. Um, and, and he, I, I know we have so many more memories we can unpack and so many words of appreciation we have for Doug. But anything else that we want to say before we close our episode today? I, I think uh, you've, you've all said it, integrity, grace, cheerleader, a friend, a mentor. Um, Doug, is a, Doug is one of the, probably the three most influential people I've ever had in my life, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. informing and shaping my view of God, yeah. uh, my faith, uh, my theology. Uh, and and has impacted uh, me, I think, to be a bigger grace giver because yeah. of my relationship with Doug yeah. than I ever was before. Yeah. Uh, probably he affected everybody that way. Yeah. I, mm -hmm. I just suspect that is a, that is a memory that, that every person who would speak of Doug would say, yeah, he, he taught me what grace looks like. Absolutely. Um, 
I think Craig said this in that article at Outreach Canada when Paul says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Like, literally, I've, I've tried to aspire to that kind of a life. How much confidence did Paul have <laughs> to say yeah. that, right? But I feel like I looked to Doug for that. I looked at him to see what does agape look like in, in, in real life? What does it look like in a marriage? What does it look like in parenting? Like I said, consistent a lot, but when I saw his family go through the funeral of Mary and, and then, of course, going through the, the end of life with, with Doug, um, the family kept telling me stories, and I'm like, wait a minute, I heard these stories. I saw these stories. This is exactly the same man that we experienced. Yeah. He's the same everywhere, and he's always been that way. Mary, I don't know if you remember last year when, we, when our church had the 60th anniversary, he came in to pay for the tickets, and we're like, Doug, you're, you're not healthy right now, and, and we don't need you to come in to pay for these yeah. tickets right now. Yeah. Um, don't worry. And he's like, no, no, I, I want to get out for a drive. And his son, John, drove him out and came to pay for the tickets. And uh, Kylie and Mary were in the front office. This, mm-hmm. These were the days when the church was still open. And, and he made the payment. He gave us amazing words of encouragement, gave me a big hug. And as he was leaving, he opens the church office door, and then his son, John, is opening the door. And as he leaves, he doesn't even look back at us. He literally just breaks out into amen. Try you name amen. <laughs> and and it, it can't be just once, right? He did the whole three times, three times yeah. try you name amen, the yeah. forte, the piano, yeah. it all came out. And he the whole time he's not looking back. And Kylie, Mary, and I were looking at each other, we're like, I think we have to sing along. We we, ha- we can't let him like sing by himself. So, so we all did. joined in <laughs> yeah. harmony and everything. And and, and I saw this. Um, when Mary passed away. Mm. Like, their family really does this. It's not like a show that he puts on. Mm. Like, he literally lives a life of doxology. His God is always there. Like, he lives like this. When Mary passed away, he did it. Um, Every time when I gathered with his family, he he literally does this. He lives this out. And I think that's so impressive. Um, It convicts me sometimes because I'm like, man, I go home and I'm not like that. Um, and Rick, to, to what you said earlier, like, I agree. Like, he's probably one of the biggest influence of, uh, influencers of my faith and my career in ministry. Because I'm learning, okay, I got to be that for real. Um, so modern day Enoch, mm-hmm. he walked with God. Mm-hmm. Amen. What a great way to wrap it up, Rick. Walked with God. Absolutely. Um, Harris family, if, if you're listening to this, I hope... I hope you recognize how much your dad, your grandpa, your great-grandpa had an impact on our church family. Mm-hmm. And I hope um, you hear a great thank you from us that, that you allowed your dad to minister to us in such a meaningful way. We appreciate you and we thank you and we're thinking of you and we're praying for you this week. Mm-hmm.